Coloruncio. And he's still going, Coloruncio. As a go from distance as well. A beauty from Michael Coloruncio. Hey yo and welcome to episode 110 of Serie Spotlight. We are hosting Jake and Matt. And this week we'll be covering all the events of Match Day 22 as well as the Supercoppa Italiana. As you guys heard from our intro, now this is a bit of a debatable one. Our goal of the week was Foloran Shaw's goal against Roma for Verona. It ended up being a consolation goal, but at the time Verona really looked like they were going to get back into the game. Now don't get me wrong dribbled past two players in midfield in great fashion mm-hmm. like mental debatable there was a block on Bove or whatever but got past those two players he let fly from now I'm talking yards like 35 yards out mm-hmm. dipping curling strike but definitely think Rui Patricio could have done much better. Absolutely, yes. He could have. He could have definitely done better. However, I don't think that takes anything away from the great goal that Michael Folorunsho scored. Um, I liked Sule's goal as well. The free kick was perfect. You know. Now that was because obviously we disagreed a little yeah. bit. I liked Sule's. I thought that just outside the area like that, that technique to get it up and down over the wall and into the top corner, leave the keeper rooted to the spot. Mwah. Yeah, Chef's it was a peach, kiss. a peach. But I thought Fularuncio had so much to do, man. He did it all so perfectly. And the strike wasn't bad. Granted, it was a, great it was a blunt, blunder, but it was a great strike anyway. Quite central, but it yeah, was man. dipping and weaving. Zurkowski's goal, the first one. The first one, the awesome. volley. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Love a volley for just outside the area, low, hard, brilliant. Yeah, the episode's called The Perfect Hat-Trick because Zurkowski, of course, scored the perfect hat-trick. One with the right, one with his head, and one with his left. Two of them absolutely gifted to, <laughs> to yeah. him. It was almost like, you know, Mercury was in retrograde and it wanted Zurkowski to get a random hat-trick. Um, but yeah, brilliant. What a what a couple of games Zurkowski has had. Yeah, after to think returning. he was rotting at Spezia right? in Serie B, trying right. to survive. Yeah. Um, he's just moved to Empoli, played two games over there. He's become their top scorer this season. There you go. In two, in two games. Yeah. That says a lot about Empoli as well. Our giveaway has ended. I repeat, our giveaway has ended. If you didn't enter, I'm sorry, but we told you. We told you. You have now missed out on your opportunity to win an exclusive Serie A Spotlight black embroidered sweater. You're finished. Um, Our winner is actually... Nicholas Bianchini. Nicholas Bianchini. Yes. Congratulations, brother. We still have not um, delivered it to him, just to remain transparent. He's currently (laughs) in London um, studying. However, in the most Maltese fashion possible, we can drop it off at his parents. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And guess what? His parents live right next to my girlfriend. (laughs) I love Malta. I love Malta, man. I love Malta. Also, our um, highly anticipated interview with Joseph Menala has been published on all platforms. I do recommend that you go watch it on YouTube um, because we've got um, video in, in that. So you could watch us conversing with him in, in our studio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a very bite-sized, enjoyable watch. We get to speak about things other than the scandal, how he's played for Salernitana, how he's played for Bari and all of these teams, how he's playing in Malta, what his mental state was like when going 
through that experience and ultimately naturally even the experience itself so it's a brilliant brilliant watch absolutely yes it um it, came, it turned out to be quite a wholesome interview yes uh, from the feedback we got which is great you know um he enjoyed it we enjoyed it um and it's it was a great experience having yeah. speaking to a professional absolutely we should invite him for a kickabout soon yeah we should be fun we'll go get destroyed yeah we'll go have a picnic with we do a penalty sure. shootout, bro. You, you win goal against <laughs> Minola. for sure. I just dive right all the time. I don't know if you know that about me, but I was always really good at diving to my right, but I could barely dive to my left. Yeah. Like it, With reflexes, I could, but I was always scared because it's my weaker arm. I was like scared I'd break it or some stuff. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have a preferred side to dive, even though I'm the worst goalkeeper Jake, you've ever seen. Yeah, I, I'm not even exaggerating when I say you're the worst goalkeeper. I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget once, bro, we're at a five-a-side. And I remember just before I was in goal. And it was with your friends um, at the time when you used to play with Alpha Q. Uh, yeah. Bro- <laughs> by the way, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. These were guys that took it really seriously. And I remember first they put me in goal and one of your friends fell in love with me yeah. because I had a, I had a really good game. And then after that, the other Fennec went in goal, Jake Fennec. <laughs> yeah, I go in goal um, when I'm tired. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. Like. I'll never forget. Bless you, it was, it was a great, this was a great shot. It flew past you, but like fucking, when I tell you, like two seconds past, and you dove to the left. And I remember when you were diving, I could see your legs shuffle in the air. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not blessed, bro. I'm not crazy enough to be a goalkeeper, right? That's what they say. Yeah. Goalkeepers are mad. Yeah, so Inter won the Super Cup after defeating Napoli 1-0 in the final. A few interesting takes from this Coppa, from the Super Coppa Italiana. Of course, it was the first time that it was with a semi-final single knockout format. Enjoy uh, those 11 million. I'll never get all those hours back again in my yeah, life. It was in Riyadh. Um, the turnout was absolutely dreadful, especially for the semi-finals. The final itself had a turnout of 24,900 people. So not great at all. It feels like the Super Cup was taken away from the fans of the clubs. Yes, yeah, I like the format. Sure, why not? But keep it local, you know. Um, interesting things to note is that in the semi-finals, Napoli played Fiorentina and beat them three nil. Um, Simeone scored a goal. Nice to see him scoring after yep. saying he wants to leave because he's not getting enough play- playing time. It was a gorgeous goal. Yeah, an absolutely gorgeous goal, man. He had so much to do, and his finishing, his finish was top notch. Um, and his celebration was like so sad because you can see him looking for the fans and he can't really find the section in the stands dedicated to Napoli. Yeah. So he just turns to his teammates and celebrates facing his teammates with his back to the fans. Yeah. Very yeah. weird. And then shortly after, Zerbin was introduced into the game and he scored. But as he scored, he clattered into the post and banged his head really badly, really badly. on the post. And he didn't even celebrate. In fact, he just looked up, raised his hand and passed out. Yeah. The medics came, the commentators were really serious. They were like, we can't even celebrate this goal right now because the guy is knocked out cold. Let's just hope he's okay. He takes him off. As we're wondering if he's okay and the game's going on, next thing you know, a ball's played to the middle. And the commentator's like, oh, it's Zerbin. He's on. He gets the ball. And like he, he shoots from way out. Fantastic finish. And he scores bottom <laughs> corner. Like He's probably still concussed. He's still dizzy. He's seeing stars. But what a goal he scored. Amazing, man. Two Amazing. goals for Zerbin. And yeah. a Super Cup semi-final. Brilliant. Yeah, Fiorentina were, were holding on for quite some time in that game. But literally, Zerbin turned the... Well, he didn't turn the game around because Napoli were already winning. But he sealed the deal. Yeah. 
alone. 84th and 86th. There you go. That's it, yeah. And Simeone scored in the 22nd minute, of course. So that was Fiorentina's trip over and then Inter played Lazio where they... They dominated them, you know. It wasn't them. They killed them. Yeah, they killed they them. Absolutely. Thuram scored. Chalanoglu scored his, what, 7th, 8th, ninth penalty of the season. God knows. And then Fratesi scored in the 87th minute um, to seal things off. And then in the final. At least the, the, the final was what was supposed to be the, yeah. the Super Coppa Italiana final. And that's why the winners of the league faced the runners up of the cup, and the winners of the cup faced the runners up of the league. So at least they, they, they are favoring the, the champions. Absolutely. And one thing I didn't mention actually is the most interesting thing about the semi-final game between Napoli and Fiorentina was that Napoli went back to their three at the back formation. Mazzari was like, fuck this. Yeah. It's it, it doesn't make sense for him to keep playing a system that's not doing well simply because it did well two managers ago. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense at all. So he swapped back to a three at the back formation just as he knows best, and they looked solid. Yeah. And they played against Inter in the final with that formation, and once again, they looked quite solid. Inter couldn't penetrate them until the very end, in the 91st minute. Um, of course, Simeone got a red card that game, but Napoli managed to hold off, and it was going to go straight to penalties where it would have been a 50-50. But of course, the inevitable Lautaro Martinez scored in the 91st minute and took off in celebration, took off his shirt to reveal his underwhelmingly shredded body and <laughs> flung his shirt around and you know yeah. the whole inter thing he ran he, he actually had to run the full length of the pitch to find a couple of geezers in an inter kit <laughs> like again man i i i understand that seria they need the money and i get that but taking the game away from italy t- to me it it doesn't feel right like Napoli and Inter fans, th- that would have been such a turnout. In in the Olimpico, for example, that would have been sold out. Of course. Sold out. And you'd of have course. the piazza full of full of ultras, and you'd have the, the T4s, and you'd have all this, the true Italian culture. But I guess, you know, at least it's not the Coppa Italia, at least it's not the Serie A, at least it's, you know, the, the a fringe cup, let's put it that way. You know what would make it way more exciting, actually? Mm. What if it were the last game of the season that that was played, man? Team wins the league, team wins the cup, Champions League ends, Europa League ends. And then you a play week later, a week later, it's the winners of the league versus the winners of the cup. Think of how much value and how much pride would be added to that trophy, man. That's not bad. It'll be a bit hot. Yeah, but, it, but uh, get over it, your athletes. <laughs> you run all day That's every day. That's a good day. idea, actually, because then you get the re- the truest forms of those teams as well. Because let's admit, this isn't Spalletti's Napoli, yeah, without yeah, you know at all. So that's a good point, bro. Thank um, you, King. Guess what? What? We have a new patron. So welcome, Campbell. Congratulations, you are a spothead. And Woo! you joined the list of great spotheads that make our family so great. Um, shout out to all of them. Shout out to Ed, Alan, Andy, Lena, Jose, Luke, Mike, Matteo, Matthias, Luca, Anthony, Michael, David, Kyle, Andrew, Sluge, McNoodle, Tim, and now Campbell. Yes, thank you as always, guys. Thank you to Campbell for allowing us to play 
that song on our podcast that we always get so excited to to plug that in yeah. just give whoever is driving or whoever has headphones on would have a real fucking treat <laughs> yeah um if you want to hear that more often become a patron <laughs> it's 3.99 a month you can find it in our um what do you call it link link trees, link, link in trees. bio yeah uh, we've got a link tree on our Instagram, which has everything. Basically, you can see our website, you can find our YouTube. We're quite late on the YouTube train, as some of you may know. Um, so it would really help us out if you could go drop a follow over there and um, just like um, the videos, listen to the videos over there. That would really help us out. Yeah, we could also get monetized on yeah, on YouTube. It. So, <laughs> I mean... We've been pushing Spotify and realized there's no monetization here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys want to, I don't know leave our videos on repeat on, <laughs> on youtube do us a bit of a solid we need, we need three thousand hours <laughs> if you've got three thousand hours you can listen to us but without further ado let's get into what happened this week as you guys know it was a bite-sized match day obviously inter versus atalanta bologna versus fiorentina torino versus lazio and sassuolo versus napoli were pushed they're gonna be being played between mid-February and mid-March, naturally because Inter, Fiorentina, Lazio and Napoli were competing in the Supercoppa Italiana. So now it's that classic thing, the most frustrating thing when we're reading out the, the league tables and we're like, Juve are first, one point above Inter, who have a game in hand. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, yeah. season one was all like that because of fucking COVID, man? And that one game in hand happened to be the Bologna game. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Thanks yeah. to Radu, baby. And now, Sansone. Take nothing away from Sansone. Absolutely, Legend. absolutely. For the rundown, the first game we're going to start with is Udinese 2, Milan 3. What is it about Udinese, Milan and, and just these fiery encounters? Um, there was that famous Teo Hernandez last minute goal a couple of years back when Romagnoli was still at Milan. Um, this game unfortunately had um, a, a terrible moment in it where Udinese fans, Udinese ultras were throwing racist remarks at Mike Magnan who ended up, Milan ended up walking out of the pitch uh, shortly after returning back um, and going on to win the game with a last minute winner by Noah Okafor. De Rossi's debut uh, was a good one, and Roma won two goals to one against Verona. It wasn't easy, but Stefano Sharawi played a pivotal part in a very counter-attacking Roma side. Lecce nil, Juve 3. It was another doppietta by Dusan Vlaovic, who has really, really found his form. Empoli 3, Monza nil in the debut of Davide Nicola. A perfect hat-trick by Zurkowski. I can't wait to get to that game so we could discuss it a little bit. Salernitana 1 Genoa 2. Salernitana once again opening the scoring but failing to take it over the line. Um, this time it was against newly promoted Genoa and Frosinone 3. Cagliari 1 between these two sides that let's be real every time they play each other it's a fucking spectacle. The last time they played it was the 4-3 comeback by Cagliari. Um, Frosinone were winning 3-0 up until the 71st minute which is absolutely Crazy. I can't believe you missed that one because you were in Australia. Dude. I know. That's why I decided that I can't live in Australia because the, the the hours of the games were just berserk. And then obviously, you know, I'd wake up early to watch the Milans, the Inters, the Juves. But perhaps if there was a 2 a.m. game I could miss, maybe it's between the two newly promoted sides. But obviously, the match of the season so far 
had to take place. Yeah, um, shout out to our Australian listeners, of course, who um, are so dedicated. Yeah. Like, how, how the hell do you stay up to date? I know, right? Yeah, bro, but Udinese Milan, huh? that's the talk of the town at the moment. Yes, sir. Um, of course, what happened was absolutely despicable, and it's a shame that these things still happen in 2024, and we still have to discuss them and remind people um, the importance. Um, the, the thing is, you know, people are, I, I would say the, the majority of football fans are are fine they enjoy the moment you know they they go to the stadium they they it's a very they're family oriented you know they're they're Mm. there for the game you know a little bit of banter you know where they chant maybe against the opposition team whatever it's all in good spirit but then you have these minority who have to make the fucking majority listen to the same old thing man like it's very obvious that racism is bad and that you shouldn't be racist and it doesn't belong in football and that everyone in a football stadium is there for the same reason and football is meant to unite and it does unite and that's why you have 80,000 people from all walks of life in a stadium watching a game supporting the same two teams essentially you know you look at the pitch you have you've got so many different ethnicities and religious affiliations. That's the beauty of of it, exactly. No one cares. What they care about is, you know, can can you play the ball well? Can you score? Can you dribble? Can you defend? Can can you make saves? You know, those are the things that matter. Yeah. So it's absolutely ridiculous that we still have to deal with these things. And then the hypocrisy and and just the the ignorance. But when you look at Udinese's team, and you, you look at, you know, you, you're, right. you're offending the goalkeeper the, of Milan when, when you've got many black players on your team. Their goalkeeper is you know? black. Yeah, exactly. They're, they've got so many black players. Like, respect your own players. Literally. That you, you're disrespecting your own team, you moron. Yeah. And, and now, um, as a result, I believe they're banned for one game. Like... They have to play the match behind closed doors. Yeah, because apparently it would be unfair if due to a couple minority fans, which is what the Udinese, um, some Udinese officials said after the game, said it was only a few fans. Shut up, you fucking idiot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a problem in your fan base. Would it be unfair to ban everyone, to ban their, let's say, 30,000 um, spectators because of, let's say, 10, 20, yes, because there needs to be a solution to this. There needs to be complete bans. I'm not sure I agree with that. With banning, with closing the doors to the stadium. Like, why, why, why should... Why should the majority be affected for the actions of the ignorant minority? Because in order for us to get a better future and in order for us to teach people... So, do you know, what's the best way... When you've got a kindergarten class, because this is what these guys are—they're they're fucking kids, you know. The, the these races, they're idiots. Um, what's the best way to discipline um, a group of kids? It's you all get a break in if no one owns up, <laughs> uh, no. and that—that's—that's that's how you need to treat them. Of course, that's how you need to do I, it, bro. I totally disagree. Totally, I, I think that that's 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 daft. And and let's look at, for example, the let's say this happens in a Champions League semi-final. Mm. You're gonna close the doors for the it Champions doesn't, League final. It doesn't. It doesn't. To me, I don't give a fuck when it happens. If if that happens within your fan base, which causes the players to walk out because of racist remarks coming from your fan base, then the people need to be responsible for the repercussions that are happening afterwards. And and it it 
I'm not going to say it won't happen again, but it'll be reduced so much because, you know, if I'm going to do that, there's the ultimate punishment. My team is going to need to play without fans in the derby. My team is going to need to play without fans in the final. And it's it's zero. It's come to a point where now we've they, they've tried being understanding, lenient, so on and so forth. It's time to just fucking take... Just no, no, stop. I think... I think permanent bans for people involved absolutely as well are necessary Um, as well as well yeah Um, and if the teams don't want to invest in the infrastructure to be able to catch these these people out then find the clubs club fines you know you Mm. find you find the club in this case Udinese you know you give them a massive fine so that next time they'll be preventative and they'll improve their infrastructure in order to catch out the racist minority. I think that's enough. I think you 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 propose stadium bans, and all of a sudden you'll have people they'll they'll be afraid, you know. They'll yeah, but scared. there aren't stadium bans. So if 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 they're gonna stick to this whole removing the fans instead of giving people lifelong stadium bans because there isn't the technology. There are the the Udinese fans have been confirmed. Some of them have been caught, and they're banned for life. They're banned for yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. But but I I really believe we need to go on next step as well, and it, it needs to it needs to impact the club they love. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, I just don't think it's fair when it affects the innocent. Basically, you know, I don't like collateral damage. I I think that granted, yes, and then the entire fan base will be on board, and you know, people will be more. Um, vocal if they hear these chants in the stands you know they shut them up they'll be like listen we want to come back next week shut the fuck up exactly but i still don't think it's fair and i think there are better solutions i think that with today's technology you can identify people from their fucking eyes or their fingers you know you can easily point a camera at the fans and identify who's being racist ban them for life simple as you know eventually you'll you'll trim the fat enough yeah well let's let's get into the game but yes bro um when it comes to the lineups Manian was in goal for Milan in their 4-3-3 formation with Theo Hernandez and Calabria as the fullbacks and Simon Kier and Gabia as the centre-back partnership. Reinders, Adli and Loftus-Cheek were the midfield three with Pulisic out on the right, Leao out on the left and Giroud up front. We might be seeing Ben Nasser back into this team quicker than anticipated, although he is carrying a knock, but Algeria have been knocked out of the African Cup of Nations. Yeah, um, as well as Cameroon, man, that, that tournament's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's a 3-5-1-1 for Udinese. <laughs> I with... don't blame you for struggling yeah, yeah, with that. that? <laughs> <laughs> Okoye was in goal with Ferreira, Perez and Christensen at the back. Abosela was on the right. Kamara was on the left with Samardzic, Lovric and Wallace in the middle. And Pereira was playing behind the formidable Tower of Lucca. So the first half was all Milan and Milan started very well. Well, the beginning of the first half was mm-hmm. all Milan. Okay, Milan were absolutely dominating and eventually managed to get a goal when Theo's cutback ball was turned in by Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, that was the 31st minute. However, shortly after that, that's when the racist incident happened. And Manian walked off the pitch, essentially, followed by his teammates who were really encouraging him. It was actually quite beautiful to see. Yeah. Theo Hernandez was like, look, we're all we're all walking off right now. Adli was the first one to walk into the tunnel with Mike Manian. Yeah. That was that was very nice to see. But that um, was... shout out to the Udinese eleven that also walked that out. That also walked out as well. It's yeah. true. Good point. Um yeah, it was 
it was this moment that there was a bit of a turning point in the game, though, because when play continued, it seemed like Milan were a little bit disgruntled and Udinese mm. were allowed back into the game. And that's when, in the 42nd minute, Lorenzo Lucas set up Samardzic, who absolutely destroyed Simon Kier and scored, um, equalizing 1-1 and going into halftime. Yeah, but before that, Kier was having a flawless game. But the second someone starts running at him, you realize that he's he's not a... He's, he ain't no spring chicken no more. Yeah, definitely not. And he's fine. You know, his positional play is good. He's good in the air. But then when it comes to these situations, when a man gets the better of him, there's no recovering from yeah, here at, yeah. at his age. Um, at times, you know, he he might be a bit of a liability. However, however, his leadership skills might um, compensate for that, of course. Yeah. He's still a good squad member to have. It's yeah. just the fact that Milan have such a bad crisis that he has to feature more often than not. Now... After the break, Milan appeared even less dynamic and responsive. Thovon exploited defensive errors, um, attributed particularly in this case to Theo Hernandez and Reinders to put Udinese in the lead. Can you please explain to me what the hell they were doing? It seemed like Theo made a tackle and then tried to play it to Reinders. Did he? Did Reinders get in his way? What the to, hell happened there? To be honest, so so I I don't think Theo's tackling was convincing. I feel like it was like a half tackle mm-hmm. kind of thing. He didn't commit himself fully. Um, and Reinders was too close, so the ball kind of ricocheted off him and he shouldn't have been positioned over there um, and just ended up falling back to Thauvin. Um You know when you <laughs> when we used to play football in like junior one, kindergarten and all that, where it's everyone chasing the ball and kicking the ball, no one is yeah, like, like taking chicken. position. Yeah. That's what it looked it's like true. between <laughs> the two players. It's true, absolutely. That's, that reminds me of... I'm not going to say the school name, actually. No free advertisements. Mm-hmm. Um, CHS. Um, SMC. That reminds me of CA. Well, both both of them. But in the tennis courts, football and the yes. tennis courts, there are like five games happening at the same yes, time. Everyone's bro, playing the yes, bro. Yes, but I'm saying everyone's <laughs> kicking the same ball. CHS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, man, those were some fun times. Every, hey. We would suit up and go play football. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Yeah, Pioli responded with substitutions. He brought on Okafor and Jovic. Um, Jovic scored immediately after Giroud attempted the crossbar um, to make it 2-2. This this would be in the 83rd minute and then in the 92nd minute, Milan had a corner and at this point, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. I thought the game was over. It's a draw. I'll take the draw. Milan scored in the 83rd minute. Late comeback. It's fine. Udinese, you know, like... The title dream is dead. <laughs> mm. But then Okafor at the far post being the pure poacher that he seems to be. I didn't expect yeah. him to have this kind of prowess in him. Um, there was a flick on and he, he by Giroud and he just slotted it home. Beautiful goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, riveting stuff. Um, it's always, a, it's such a rush eh, when your team wins through a, through a last minute goal. Um, what I want to say is, I don't believe Milan had a bad game by any means. I think Udinese are a very tricky side to play against. I think mm-hmm. there was that moment that really obviously shifted the momentum because the momentum was all Milan. Um, and then Milan, like you said correctly, got dis- disgruntled. Uh, Samaridzic had a moment of brilliance. Um, wow, what a goal by him. Mm-hmm. That's, a, That's actually an honourable mention. Yeah. Um, and then there was that, I'll call it a fuckata between between Theo and Reinders that led to Thovan finishing at the near post. But what do I always say, bro? Good teams win 
when they shouldn't. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Um, what I this game is difficult to read because of what happened. Milan started off very strongly. That incident happened. Milan mm. seemed to lose their focus and they conceded a goal at the end of the first half and then in the 62nd minute. But then they showed good resilience to come back and not only come back in the 83rd, but also score again to win mm-hmm. it in the 92nd. So overall, as you're saying, a positive performance because Milan came out strongly. And so the setup to the game was well and the reaction was well was good as well to go in. Yeah. Because purely substitutions made an impact. I, and I was about to say a that. A great impact. Yeah. Jovic and Okafor both scored. And it's good to see um perhaps some of these players that were that were brought in are actually so it was always a worry like are Milan actually gonna have depth or are they gonna have a bunch of Charles de Catelares on the bench like last season or have a bunch of Bakayokos on the bench that that are that that basically have zero mm-hmm. impact. But Pioli is bringing on people that have impact. Jovic has had a, a fantastic couple of months, a brilliant couple of months. Okafor, we all know what he's capable of. And there's certain changes in the midfield as well that, that are impacting the team positively. So it's good to see that finally Milan are in a stage where they say, okay, like, keep in mind, Milan have a fucking crisis going on right now with Kalulu, Kaldara, Chao, Pobega, Tomori, Benasser, and Chukweze all out. And they're, they're on a winning streak. Yeah, um, granted they crashed out of the Coppa Italia when they could have respected Atalanta a little bit more. Yeah, but overall the trajectory is most definitely positive when you look at the fact that Milan are out of the Champions League because they were in the group of death and they're out because of a penalty that shouldn't have even been given between PSG and Newcastle. So, so yeah, granted, yes, it's true. Milan could have done better against Dortmund and Newcastle, but that's just the way things go sometimes. Yeah. Um, Two performances I want to highlight. So, first of all, Manian. Um, granted, he seemed a little bit disgruntled after the abuse, but he did pull off a fantastic save at one point with his leg, yeah, yeah. Um, as he always seems to do. Um, another performer I'd like to highlight is Matteo Gabbia, who has come in and, and fit in like a glove. Um, two incredible blocks. Yeah. Lost ditch tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them in the box, a cross was coming and he slid in and intercepted it. Another one, someone would have been clean through one goal and he intercepted the ball as well with a very good sliding tackle. Yeah. Um, he's He's been super, very dependable and uh, it's time for him to make a name for himself and, and he really is. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think he's he's enjoying his football. That that's a that's a big thing you see in him, especially, you know, okay, everyone's enjoying their football when you score a goal in the last minute, but it, the passion that you see in him when something like that happens. Um and one thing I really like about him and I think I mentioned this in the last episode is when a midfielder or a striker receives the ball, his judgment on whether to press or not is fantastic mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, obviously, it's a it's a long season. These defenders that I mentioned previously, the injured ones, are going to be out for some time. So Milan are going to need to depend on Matteo Gabbia for for a longer time now. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, by the way, as we're recording this, Zambia and Morocco are playing. Yes. Um, there's also the other game going on right now between Congo and and. Tanzania and fun fact yeah. Congo are starting Charles Pickle remember oh Charles my Pickle? god Cremonese, he's, still, he's yeah. still at Cremonese he's representing Congo at the moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Tanzania yeah. I'm going to tell you two words that you'll understand very well pole pole you can do it you can do it so Milan are currently third with 45 points while Udinese are down in 16th with 18 points 
Next game, Roma 2, Verona 1. Um, Roma coming off a 3-1 loss against Milan where Mourinho was sacked. And so this is Daniele De Rossi's first game in charge for Roma. Verona were coming off a good win, 2-1 over Empoli. And the previous encounter in this game, not sure if you remember this one, Verona 2, Roma 1 in the earlier stages mm. of, of the season. So Roma had, had a point to prove over here under their new manager. Now, coming into this match, Roma and Hellas Verona were equal in their last seven encounters in Serie A. Three wins each, however, it does include the awarded 3-0 victory for Verona on the 19th of September 2020, um, because Roma hadn't shown up due to a significant increase in COVID cases within their team, and there was also one draw between these two sides. Now, it had been an eventful few days in Rome as Mourinho was sacked after crashing out of the Coppa Italia against arch-rivals Lazio and losing to Milan in the league. New manager De Rossi revamped Moose tactics to a 4-3-2-1 formation, but he had a few absentees, including Mancini and Cristante, who were suspended, Asmoon, Indica and Awar on international duty, plus Renato Sanchez, Chris Smalling, Tammy Abraham and Marash Kumbulla out injured. Hellas had Lazovic, Duda and Coppola, all banned too, and they also sold Cyril Ingonj to Napoli, and perhaps one that's got under the radar, Josh Doig to Sassuolo. What, what? a signing! That, that happened? That has happened. A oh great signing, God. a great defensive signing by Sassuolo. You don't yeah. often tend to see that, but that's just what, I, what I've said in previous episodes, is Verona are really letting all their players go just to combat this financial crisis that and they're currently... And it's strange, because they're playing well. Yeah. Yeah, they played a good game over here. Offensively, they were great, genuinely. Mm -hmm. um, now, as for the lineups, like I said, it was a 4-3-2-1 for Roma with Rui Patricio and goal on the back line of Spinazzola, Lorente, Huysen and Karsdorp. A midfield three of Pellegrini, Paredes and Bove, El Sharawi and Dybala playing behind Lukaku. It was a 4-2-3-1 for Verona with Montepo on goal, Chachua on the right, Cabal uh, on the left, and the two centre-backs were Magnani and Davidovic. Folorunshaw and Serdar in the double pivot with Imbula out on the right, Saponara out on the left, and Suslov playing behind the massive Juric. Now, in the 19th minute, it was a dream start for De Rossi's uh, first game for Roma. Lukaku opened the scoring. It was Pellegrini that found El Sharawi in the final third, who did extremely well to break through two defenders and square the ball to Lukaku, who made no mistake placing the ball into the back of the net on his favoured left foot. Shortly after, just five minutes later, in the 24th minute, it was Captain Pellegrini that made it too. Lukaku's cross was cleverly flicked on by El Sharawi into the path of Pellegrini, who had time to control and beat Montepo for power at his near post. Now, Spinazzola went off injured with a muscular problem moments later, and Huysen's <laughs> angle drive flashed across the face of goal, while Paradis was booked and will be suspended for the trip to Salernitana. I thought that Huysen miss was quite bad. Yeah, but it's Huysen. You, you have to hit the target, you know. Yeah. Though, like, even if the shot's weak, like, if you fail to hit the target there, granted, he tried to go for the far post. That was a bit of a poor attempt, in my opinion. Granted, yeah. young player. Young defender, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, young defender, not known, right? For, exactly. For their goal-scoring prowess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll actually, um, we'll be seeing more of him. Um, Huysen, I, I, I'm quite sure he is quite a bright young talent. 
Now in the 56th minute, Hellas Verona had the ball in the back of the net with a follow-run shot header, but it was very harshly disallowed by the referee for a slight push on Rick Karsdorp. I thought that was really harsh to disallow. You see those tussles in, in, in goals, you know what I mean? All the time, um, I really do think that was harsh refereeing there. Now Verona were awarded a penalty for Juric's header striking Lorente on the arm in the 64th minute. Juric stepped up and blasted the penalty well over the bar despite sending Patricio the wrong way. As you could see from the 56th minute onwards, Verona really starting to attack this Roma side which was when De Rossi said Hey yo, I think it's best we go for a three at the back formation over here. Give these guys that yeah. stability they're used to under Mourinho. Um, however, in the 75th minute, Follerunshaw did manage to get his name on the score sheet. The Italian carried the ball forward from the center of the pitch, skipped past the sliding Bove brilliantly, fainted past Paredes, and took a strike from an entire solar system away, which moved enough on its way to bamboozle Rui Patricio, who didn't manage to keep it out despite getting both hands on the ball and it being rather central but it was moving a beauty but a blunder by the goalkeeper nice to see Folorunsha doing well he's had a pretty good season um, he's actually owned by Napoli and has been out on loan for quite a while now many years um, had no idea he was Italian by the way so thank you for that you're welcome um, very very good display by him yeah I think so. Um and, and he shows quite a bit of maturity for his age as well. He's still yeah, he's still just a young young oh it's twenty five, I thought he was younger. Okay. Yeah, he's been out on loan for so long. Yeah, he has, he has. You know what's funny, man? Um with Napoli, um there was a video recently where they were playing one of those TikTok games and Guevara had to describe um a certain player to, to someone else. And the player was Gaetano. Okay. And he described him as a new arrival. Gaetano's okay. been there for ages. Yeah, he's been there <laughs> longer than him, you know? I think. Yeah, of course, of course. He's <laughs> like, no, bro, you're the new one. <laughs> How did you think De Rossi did on his debut? Obviously, he implemented a new 4-3-2-1 system. Um, he got the best out of certain players, but perhaps the stability at the back is something of the past without Mourinho. Mm, this could have gone terribly wrong. Um, dream start for him, of course. Um, Roma were were inspired coming into the game. And that's what usually happens when you change your manager. Initially, everyone wants to impress the manager yeah. and everyone gives their utmost. Um, El Sharawi played like vintage El Sharawi. Like, right. I don't, I'm not sure I've ever seen him play this well, to right. be honest with you. That hold-up play he, dis- he displayed before laying it off to um, Lukaku was, yeah. was incredible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely inspired. Um, they looked very fluid offensively and uh, they, they did look more... Um, lively and willing to attack. However, mm-hmm. however, they didn't look as solid at the back, and in fact, they allowed Verona away, and which we're not really used to seeing Roma doing. Um, yeah. Once they, once they get a lead, usually they don't concede. Right. Really and there and was a disallowed goal, a, a missed, missed penalty, penalty, and, and then uh, that goal by Folloran. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm sure the Rossi will take it, but we'll see um, how he manages to cope against stronger opposition. I wonder how he'll do in the Europa League against Feyenoord because. I'm not too sure about that. Um, I would have said under under Mourinho, Roma were the favourites. Yeah. Now, are Roma strong favourites? I'm not sure. Now, it's interesting. Cesco, a Roma fan that has listened to the podcast, uh, well, a good friend of ours, um, and we've brought him up 
on, on this podcast before. He's a Roma fan and, and he mentioned it was good to bring in De Rossi now because they have a run of slightly favorable fixtures so he could really find his feet before facing any of the top seven teams. And that is something at least he could... He's right over there to say that at least he could get some hands-on experience before facing off against any of these tougher opponents. I think it's at least he starts off with three points, something to work with. We've even seen a tactical adjustment in his first match where he went three at the back to be more defensive. Mm -hmm. So promising, it's just they they do need to be careful, especially without Paredes in the midfield against Salernitana. Yeah. That's going to be tough. But offensively, even their counterattacks, they're way swifter because De Rossi... um, he really brought the because Mourinho used to play like a, a 3-5-2 with the wing backs um, and then Lukaku and Dybala up front. Isolated. Exactly. But Dybala's playing in a more creative role alongside El Sharawi in a more creative role. Pellegrini is in a three-man midfield, so he adds the creativity over there. Bove gets that box-to-box and Paredes is like that crusher. Lukaku up front for them to feed. So going forward, I do believe that this setup is, is more ideal for Roma to grab goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that once Mancini is back, he'll slot in instead of Huisen? Or I, will I he go back to a three at the back? You, you can't not start Mancini yeah. in this Roma team. You can't not. He's, he's the leader. You know what I mean? He's he's not the captain, but he's the captain. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he, yeah. It's like not starting Sergio Ramos for that Real Madrid team that won so many Champions Leagues now, obviously, Absolutely. a stretch. Yeah. I suspect Hoysen will be benched. Um, for how long is the question? Because, of course, Juve would have sent him out on loan to play. Yeah, and, and, and it's also a debate. Is it gonna, is he is Mancini going to play alongside... Huysen, is it going to be Evan Indica? Is it going to mm, be Llorente? Be yeah. Because Cameron got knocked out. There you go. Llorente, yeah. who is uh, solid despite him giving away a penalty in this. I want to talk a bit about the atmosphere and the reception coming into this because obviously Dream kind of debut for De Rossi coming into this game greeted by the Roma fans that he's, you know, so he's so accustomed to um, and has such a great relationship with. However, there were... Um, um, it's a surreal atmosphere, but it did include fans, um, mm. reactions, banners and messages to Mourinho saying, Mister, you've always protected yeah. us. We will always love you. Um, and like, we can't believe it kind of kind of thing. Um, so obviously it's it's an emotional time for Roma fans. I, I don't know. Now, maybe if I was walking out instead of De Rossi on my first game, it's a dream. And I just see everyone, Mourinho, we miss you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, am yeah, I fucking yeah. wanted here? I don't know. Like, yeah. um, Correction, by the way, um, on myself. Um, Indica's from the Ivory Coast. Not okay, okay. However, um, I do believe they've been knocked out. As well. <laughs> yes, if Jesus. I'm not mistaken, I need to fact all, check that. All but all African the big teams. teams are being knocked out of AFCON. It's crazy. It's been a yeah. really interesting tournament so far. Mm-hmm. I'm um, keeping a bit of an eye on it. It's always yeah. exciting, the African Cup of Nations. I really enjoyed the Ghana coach's press conference after he got knocked bro, out. Bro, bro. It was hilarious. He hasn't like, seen that, please. He's bro. like a moody teenager that doesn't want to speak to his yeah. aunties and uncles when they come over like like, sure man the Ivory Coast are third in their group with three points the top two have seven ah they're out they're out they're out they're out now we are we already mentioned the first half dominance by Roma so no need to touch upon it too much I believe the system brings out the best of El Sharawi and and Dybala in particular um Verona got close to I mean they (laughs) 
they arguably could have won the game. They were the better team in the in the second half. Um, let us talk a bit about Rui Patricio, and then we can move on because I did clash with Chesco mm. on the group chat. Mm. I said, "Who hasn't, right?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, how funny! Last time, him and Andy had a little <laughs> had, had a little tiff on the group chat. He's like, Chesco told him, "Stop talking about Mourinho," yeah, because obviously like, sensitive Roma fan going through <laughs> a tough time. And Andy's like. Then block me, lol. Yeah, he, he <laughs> was open like, open forum, forum, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's right, he's right. Um, the chat lives on. Yes, <laughs> sorry, Chesco. Um, but Rui Patricio. So I made the joke of saying Rui Patricio has had three good games for Roma, mm. which is obviously an exaggeration because he hasn't lived up to the expectations. The, you know, the starting goalkeeper for Portugal, at least at the time, signing for Roma. Expectations were high. Um to be honest, if I'm if I'm being a, a harsh, not not even a harsh critic, Rui Patricio has been a flop. Rui Patricio has been a flop. He was very right. good in the Premier League with Wolves. He yeah. was he was rated as a great keeper. He's displayed good shot shot stopping ability. However, some good saves. Ah, and... yeah. However, there there's a lot to be desired because he could have done better on, in many situations as well. Roma so don't many. concede many shots, and there are times when they concede one shot and it slips through his so his many. Gloves, uh, up until recently, against Juve, Rabiot's placement at the at the near post, for example, is somewhere he could have done better. Yeah. Now Cesco said, "Listen, you don't watch Roma as much as me, so you wouldn't have seen." Um, that many, you know, of his positive performances. I'd say we watch a fair few Roma <laughs> games, firstly, and maybe without the the unconscious bias. But yeah. but sure, yeah. I don't want to take up too much on this guy. I think it's quite clear. I think the audience gets gets a good idea um, of what went down over here. At least a victory in the Rossi's first game. Now Roma find themselves in seventh on 32 points I'm not going to stay going through who has a game in hand above them and below them Mm. Um, whereas Verona find themselves in 18th on 17 points they will be kicking themselves that they didn't manage to get a draw over here yeah bro Lecce took on Juve at home and they lost 3-0 the previous encounter (laughs) was a Juve 1-0 victory at home thanks to a Milik goal um, the lineups we had Chesney in goal for Juventus in a 3 5 2 formation. Danilo, Bremer, and Gatti at the back with Kostic out on the left, Cambiazo out on the right with Miretti, Locatelli, and McKenny in the middle. Yildis and Dusan Vlaovic were up front. For Lecce, it was a 4 1 4 1 formation with hmm. Falcone in goal, Jean Dre, Pongracic, Baskerotto, and Gallo at the back with Ramadani playing in front of the defense. Almgvisk was out on the right, with Udon out on the left, Kaba and Gonzalez playing behind Kristovic. Now in the first half, um, it was a little bit cagey. Mm. Um, Juve almost scored and Almgvisk cleared the ball off the line. He headed the ball off, off the line um, brilliantly and he celebrated that like a goal. He's Did you on... say, I believe it was Kristovic. Kristovic, yes. Did I say Almgvisk? I, I believe oh, so. I, I'm terrible, sorry. I thought I'm... I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was Kristovic, yes, and it was a very good clearance, and he celebrated that like a goal because he's been on a bit of a yeah. dry streak. It's been a while since he celebrated, so you can do that. Why yeah, not? Absolutely. Um, the absence of Rabiot did affect Juve's tempo in the first half, and they really did struggle. However, in the second half, Dusan Vlaovic exploded as he has been doing lately. In the 59th minute, he scored. A goal after being set up by Cambiazo and then later on in the 68th minute it was McKenny who set him up um, for his double and in the 85th minute it was Bremer who scored a towering header um, assisted by Samuel Illing Jr. 
Brother, yeah, Juve are back. They are the highest scoring team in Europe's top five in 2024. Oh, I didn't. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yes. They they have outscored Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Manchester City. They've outscored all the big dogs, Liverpool mm. as well. What is going on with Allegri? So this I is always... Porto Muso. No, no, but but it's his last season. Mm. Maybe he's going a bit all out over here. Also. Who knows, man? Maybe Allegri's always competed in three competitions when he's been at Juve. This is the first season where he's not. Perhaps his pragmatic style of play was a way to keep his players fit and to keep his players performing in three competitions. And now that they have less, he's letting loose a little bit and letting them hmm. battle to the bone. But earlier this season, when they were partaking in simply the Coppa and the League, they played in exactly the same way as they always have. Hmm questionable in certain games perhaps but mm. you know even in the in the opening game of the season we saw them score a couple of goals yeah. and and we saw that fire in them we're saying Juve looks scary remember that Chiesa's yeah, yeah, goal yeah, yeah. ah yes goal. they were so inspired no they're yeah. they're definitely a, a united group absolutely this, this year and I give I, t- I tip my hat to Allegri who has created such a group um it's nice to see him blowing teams out of the water because they definitely have the firepower to do so. Mm-hmm. Honestly, confidence is a crazy thing, man, in football. Vlaovic has transformed as a player. It's I, I it's would unbelievable. say, bro, when it comes to player performances, I don't want to take anything away from technique, class, quality or anything like that. But I would safely say 80% of it is the state of mind that you're in. Mm-hmm. You see some footballers. I, I was watching a video today of, of the Nigerian players um after a game and and like they're all playing fifa and all doing this and that finding their way to relax after a game and i got this thought i was like the life of a footballer man constantly on the road in a hotel room with your boys now sounds fun sounds like a dream but yeah. these guys have got their wives their girlfriends yeah, their yeah. family their kids at home they're constantly out on the road um, they're getting abused by fans. They're constantly um, being critiqued by people like us and, and, and social media yeah. and Twitter, so on and so forth. It's tough. It's no wonder that it's 0.5% that make it to the professional stage. Some people, and then they, they go through a drought. Think Vlaovic. Vlaovic went through a drought. I, I, I remember there was, in particular, one team he always fails to score against. And we said he's never going to score against mm. them because it's just a state of mind. It's it, it's a mental block. But once they regain that confidence, once the it's one goal that can change everything, bro. You think Charles de Catelare, had he not scored that first particular goal for Atalanta, would he be playing as well as he is now? Perhaps fucking not. He wouldn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. these six goals or how many he has. He would... Yeah, look at the way he played for Milan at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. Confidence is massive, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's nice to see Vlaovic thriving. And apparently, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, he has a new girlfriend, so that might help. Yeah. Well. Do you know Vlaovic is known to have a massive penis? Do you know I, that? I had no idea, bro. But please, I, I was do, scrolling. Do I was scrolling through TikTok. It was during the time of the, the last World Cup. And Vlaovic had, in the game before, sustained somewhat of what you can consider to be a cock injury. All right? There's studs to his cock, I believe. Um, And, obviously, the first thing you do when you hurt yourself in your nether regions is you put your hands on it. Ah, my dick. Ah, my balls. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. 
Crow clasped it with two hands. Yeah. And girls were reposting that moment on TikTok saying, Yo, who is he? Like, that, that is hilarious. I have no idea. It's funny. We know we know Vlaovic to be a goal scorer, former Fiorentina player, playing for Juve. Girls know him as that handsome guy with the big dick. <laughs> Yeah, um, would love to be him for a day, huh? <laughs> His new girlfriend's fan. Yeah. Um, shout out McKenny as well. McKenny, fantastic, fantastic season he's having. Yeah, a great um, character on social media as well. We've been yeah. seeing more of him on podcasts, so on and so forth. He's funny, man. He's funny. He's, he's very really funny. funny. But that's the thing about Americans. They're, they're so authentic. Yeah. They can, they can, they're really themselves in yeah. interviews. They're sh- they are shamelessly themselves, you know, and that's that's nice to see. It's refreshing. Yeah. Oh, Morocco scored. Not, I didn't not know. With respect. Yes, uh, Hakim Ziyech. Ooh. Um, yes, McKenny has been amazing. He went out on loan to Leeds last year. They got relegated. He came back, and I think he had the fright of his life. He's like, I need to work. <laughs> I need to work. Or I'm gonna end up in the championship. <laughs> it was cold. We kept losing. <laughs> Everyone kept talking about Bielsa and this bucket. Who the hell's Bielsa? What's a bucket? <laughs> But yeah, I thought Lecce opened the game off quite well. They did. They they were good, man. And Kristovic as well looked lively. Kaba looked good as well. Mm. Um, I liked the I like the fact that Kristovic can really squeeze a shot out from nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite thing about him, and that's why I'm always so excited to see him because he can be between two players at an awkward angle and still squeeze the shot out. Yeah, and and that's what I, I enjoy. That I think he's a very talented young player. Absolutely. Um, but of course, they they didn't have enough to to go all the way. No, no. Yeah, Pongracic, by the way, has been better than Buscarato this year, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, with without a doubt. I don't think we've seen Buscarato's greatest qualities at the forefront of his performances recently. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I have him on Fanta and I'm like, when the hell am I going to play this guy? I think I'm <laughs> playing him this week. Yeah. yeah, might as well, man. Maybe he'll get a header or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... At the moment, <laughs> when, regarding the standings, Juve are first with 52 points and the game in hand. Do keep in mind what happened the last time and the yes. game in hand. Lecce are down in 14th with 21 points. This is bragging rights. Do not get it twisted. Juve and Inter, they absolutely despise each other. Juve, will, Juve fans and whatever will be... Teasing Inter fans saying, we're first, you're second, we're first, you're second. This is personal now. Juve are getting a taste of it. Pressure is suddenly on Inter, who are competing in all competitions. I believe they play on my birthday. They play each other. February 4th, 4th, baby. What we gonna do, what we gonna do. We gonna watch the game, we gonna watch the game. (laughs) That's what we gonna do, baby. On the couch at home. Um, Empoli 3, Monzanilla. I was looking forward to doing this one ever since the start of this episode. Um, Empoli were coming off a 2-1 loss to Verona that got Andrea Zoli sacked and prompted the the hiring of Davide Nicola, who is a miracle worker. This is their third manager of the season. Fun fact, he was also Salernitana's third manager of the season when he managed to keep the boat afloat. Yeah, and fun fact, he was also Joseph Menala's manager at Bari. Yeah. And this is... Did we speak about this? We mentioned it. It's okay, fine. Okay. New listeners since the Manala episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Joseph Manala, the former player, the former Lazio, Salernitana and Bari player, current Slima Wanderers player, 
who we interviewed in our last episode um, spoke very highly of David and Nicola once we had stopped recording. It's a shame we stopped recording because he yeah. gave us some really insightful information about um, Nicola's managerial style and the fact that he, he really gets the team behind him and the team will die for him on the pitch. And Manala was there on loan and he said that I, I was there for six months, but this guy had me playing. Like, yes. I, w- I would have died for him, mm, he said. Yeah, yeah, probably. Some, I believe he said it was some of the best football he's ever played. Yeah. Um, Monza were coming off a 5-1 home loss to Winter, the biggest in their history of during their time in Serie A. Uh, big whoop, it's their second season. Um, <laughs> the previous encounter was a 2-0 clean victory for Monza. Now, this was Davide Nicola's managerial debut for Empoli after the club sacked Andrea Zoli during his fourth spell at Empoli after being 19th in the standings and suffering their 13th league loss in 20 games when they were beaten 2-1 by fellow strugglers Hellas Verona on Saturday. This is their third manager of the season, um, after Andrea Zoli had taken over from Paolo Zanetti in September after a 7-0 thrashing at AS Roma left them bottom of Serie A without a single point in four games. You remember that? I believe they hadn't even scored a goal yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicola, who's previously coached Salernitana, saved them from relegation in the 2021-22 season, as you guys would remember. Um, but he did have to make due without the suspended Cancellari, injured Caputo, Bastoni, Ebuehi, Ismaili, uh, Gaurino and Petzella. So he threw in the new signing Cherry straight into the starting eleven. And I, I really like Cherry. He looked good. He I, looked I like good. his... Um... I like his mold. I like his uh, the type of player he is. Yeah. No nonsense, big, powerful forward. You know? Yeah. Not particularly great. Yeah. But just hustle, baby. Just hustle. Just power hustle. and hustle. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Monza had Birindelli banned, Machine on international duty, plus Di Gregorio and Caprari on the treatment table. Coach Palladino also had to watch from the stands due to a touchline ban. Now, Nicola instantly inserted his three at the back formation over here we saw this as well with the Rossi that instantly went with his system a four at the back it's always interesting to see um, how managers approach joining a new team we were saying how Mazzari attempted the four at the back formation that Napoli were so used to only to go back to his three at the back sometimes it's the coach's system that would be the way to go sometimes it'll be um, what the team is used to and how the team performs best so 3-5-2 formation for Empoli, Caprile and Goal and the backline of Luperto, Valukovic and Ismaili. Giassi as the left wing back, Berezinski as the right wing back and a midfield three of Marin. Welcome back Marin, good to see you on the pitch. Grassi and Zurkowski. Uh, Cherry up front alongside Cambiaghi. For Monza, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation. Sorrentino and goal on the backline of Itzomari and Caldirola. Kyriakopoulos on the left, Pereira on the right, and the midfield two of Gagliardini and Pessina. Nicole Pani and Mota playing behind Colombo. Now, in the 10th minute, Luperto unleashed an inch-perfect pass to Giassi, who was clean through on goal and should have scored, but was denied expertly, to be honest, by the 21-year-old Sorrentino. Um... Classic Giazzi there, I say. We, we throw a bit of shade here and there, but he should be scoring those chances. Uh, two minutes later, in the 12th minute, Zurkowski scored his first goal of the night. Pablo Mari cleared Cambiaghi's cross only as far as Zurkowski at the edge of the area, who powerfully volleyed the ball into the bottom corner with his right foot. Amazing goal. 
In the 31st minute, Gagliardini almost got the equalizer with a brilliant strike from distance which just curled a fraction too wide of Capriles' post. Seven minutes later, in the 38, Zurkowski got his second. Kambiaki once again delivered a dangerous ball into the area, this time to the oncoming Cherry, whose strike was denied by Sorrentino, but the ball fell to Zurkowski, who headed in off the crossbar. In the 55th minute, Caprila got down very well to deny Mota's close-range header. In the 73rd minute, Carboni's mis- Carboni misplaced his pass in his own half to Zurkowski, who played it out wide to Malé. Male squared the ball to Spendi, but his strike was blocked by Calderola. But the ball fell too. You guessed it, Zurkowski, who slid in and smashed in the rebound on his left foot, completing his perfect hat-trick and his fourth goal in only two matches in Serie A this season, making him Empoli's top scorer this season in just two matches, overtaking the striker, the veteran striker, Ciccio Caputo. So is this form? Is he amazing? What is it about Zurgovski? He's inspired, right? Um, he's just come back to Serie after being in a probably terrible environment in Spezia. They're not doing very well um, in Serie B. They're pretty much a club that's free-falling right now. Um, he got off that ship and he found himself in an environment where there aren't many goal scorers. There isn't much going for them, but they've brought in a new coach. Mm-hmm. So everyone around him is probably inspired, which inspired him even more. Um, and he he did really well, and he's he looks amazing right now. Um, I wonder how much his Fanta Calcio stocks have gone up. Man, like <laughs> you know, the January transfer market is coming up for us, and it's yeah. gonna be whoever has the most credits is gonna take him. Like take Zukovsky, right? Well, do you think this is sustainable? How, how many goals do you think he'll end the season with? No, I don't think it's incredibly sustainable. No, I like I yeah. don't think he's gonna be scoring hat tricks willy nilly. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not that. But score scoring regularly. Game. Maybe not regularly, but he has definitely inserted himself as a goal-scoring midfielder, which is what he is. Now, yeah. it, it, it is highly dependent on how Empoli are playing their football. Um, David and Nicola, who creates an atmosphere of togetherness, could really get the best out of his players. So, if Empoli keep playing well, then I do expect to see Zurkowski on the, on the score sheet more. Absolutely. His late runs into the box, much like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, are very mm. effective. Mm. It's not just like the ball fell to him and he was lucky, but he was... His position and where he roams allows him to be in the right place at the right time. So if someone clears the ball away and it falls to Zurkowski and he can volley it in from outside the area or smash in a rebound with his head or with his foot, it's brilliant. Um, he is definitely a great addition to an Empoli side that we're struggling to get goals. Absolutely, man. And at 26 years old, I'm sure he was worried about his career when he found himself at Spezia. But nice to see him back at Empoli where he has played very well and where he's continuing to play very well. Regarding on whether this is um, sustainable or not, it's not. It's not. He's not, he's not going to be scoring very regularly. No. I can guarantee that. He will dip. Of course, this is abnormal. But he can turn their season around. And that's more than enough. You know, and that's what he was brought in to do. And hopefully he can keep Empoli afloat. Yeah, you are judged on your, of course, on your accomplishments. But when you're a smaller team like Empoli, naturally your accomplishment is staying up. So if he manages to help the team stay up, then he is going to be sought after. Um, He's quite marketable as well. He could have a a good career. He can turn it around at 26 years old um, if he keeps performing the way he is. 
As the game ended, Nicola had his players huddled up in the center circle for a pep talk after the victory, displaying just how he unites each squad that he manages. I have a note here that says Minala said that he would have died for him. Yeah. He's really showcasing that togetherness, kind of. Because it's one thing, you know, everyone knows that Nicola is going to get the best out of these players and that he's a miracle worker, so on and so forth. But just, he wants to show everyone, look, look at us, we're together, we've got our arms around each other, we're celebrating this victory together, but on to the next, it's not over. He's definitely in that center circle telling them, this is just the start, don't get carried away, don't let it get to your heads. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. He is a fantastic manager. And he always seems to disappear after saving a team from relegation against all odds. He disappears and then he comes back when another team is in danger of being relegated. Yeah, he's just riding a bicycle yeah. around Italy. Uh-huh. And that was another thing he did, by the way, once he... I forgot from where to where, but he said that if we managed to stay up, I believe it was when he was at Crotone. Crotone, yeah. yeah he said, I will, I'll ride my bike from... It was a, a crazy, unreasonable distance. <laughs> and, and he did it, he did it. There are yeah. pictures I wouldn't do it with a car yeah. on a road trip. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. He did it on a bike. Yeah. He could have easily been like, you know, I was survived fuck it no one will remember mm. <laughs> every time Empoli score a 13 year old starts going berserk on the megaphone it's always like I can't believe that there's a that there's a goal that's such a that's that's the club man very family based and yeah. worker based you know like a child's on the megaphone yeah know? that's that's great. Well, I, I think it's a ch- it definitely sounds like it's a child. definitely not a man. <laughs> so it's either a boy or, or a woman. Um, I think it sounds like a boy to me. It sounds like a kid. I, I, I don't know. Because if I say it sounds like a boy and it's a woman, I don't know, maybe people will shit on me. So <laughs> maybe, maybe. It definitely doesn't sound like a man. Like, I can't um, believe the guy with the moustache on Serial Spotlight. <laughs> Is he going to tell us what a woman should sound like? <laughs> Um, this is Empoli's first win in eight matches. Fun fact. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, there, there's not too much to say. I think it's it's a great instillment of confidence for um, Empoli, again, through the new system. I think this 3-5-2 th- formation suits them really well. I thought Cambiaghi, um, as a striker, he was getting out wide quite a bit. And for mm-hmm. the two first goals, he was the guy that whooped the ball into the box initially. And that's a place where they really struggled, getting the ball into the box. Um, so I definitely think that offensively and defensive, to be honest, of course, inspired, but they had a great performance. Monza, on the other hand, mm. they, Something's looked, wrong. they looked dreadful. Defensively, okay, what can you do about the two rebounds and the great volley? You know what I mean? I can't critique them. Well, I can critique them on their defense because they still concede the three goals to fucking Empoli. But it was more. You remember that sexy, free-flowing fucking football that play going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That bold football. Nowhere near that. Yeah, nowhere. And and to be honest, man, as we spoke about confidence earlier on, they started the season off well. Colpani was on fire. They were flying. People were saying, ah, oh, maybe they can make a push for the conference league this season. Mm. And then all of a sudden, they took a bit of a slump. And I think their their confidence took a bit of a hit. And then that plowing against Inter is something they're not used to at all. Because they yeah. went there, they played their brand of football. They probably thought they could get an upset or something or maybe even hold them mm-hmm. hold them off. But they, they got trashed. And and yeah, and they came into this game probably demoralized thinking, 
Okay, let's try to turn this around, and they lost three 0 So I'm a little bit worried about them. Let's yeah. see what Paladino can do over here. This is this will be very telling of him as a manager. Absolutely, because so far it's always been an upward trajectory with Paladino. Now he's facing a crisis of some sort. You know, eight goals in two games. That's yeah. that's not a not joke. A joke it's like, not a yeah, joke yeah. at all. He and and no goals. Well, did they score against Inter? Was the they f- scored one? One. Okay. Pessina penalty. Ah, yes, Pessina penalty. Yeah. Um, yes, and Pessina had missed a penalty as well before yeah. that, so confidence has been a bit of an issue for them. But we'll see. We'll see if he can turn it around. I'm I'm curious because I do believe at this point that he's a good and promising manager. Let's see. Yep, absolutely. When it comes to where they stand in the table, winning myself sometimes just like Jake here. Empoli nineteenth <laughs> on sixteen points. They're only two away from Cagliari, who are in seventeenth. So Empoli have a lot of time to make this work, and they have the manager just to do that. Um, when it comes to Monza, they're in 12th on 25 points, level on points with Genoa. Speaking of Genoa, that's the perfect transition, actually. Salernitana took on Genoa at home and lost 2-1 after taking the lead. Classic Salernitana, right? Yeah. Their previous encounter was a 1-0 victory for Genoa, thanks to a goal by, guess who? Albert fucking Goodmanson, baby. Hell yeah, and this time Salernitana got the show starting early. But before we get... In that, into that, let's look at the lineup. So we had Ochoa and goal for Salernitana in their 4-3-2-1 formation, the Christmas tree formation. You must have yeah. got this one from Carlo Ancelotti, right? 2007. Exactly. Pierozzi out on the right, Brotheridge out on the left. Brotheridge, by the way, totally transformed as a player. He's looking yeah. much better. Domagoy. Shut up, brother. Gyomber and Lovato were at the back with Martegani, Maggior and Basic in the middle. Chuna and Kandreva playing behind the great Simeon Wankwo. Yeah, or as we like to call him, the, the wank. wank. The Wank. For Genoa, it was a 3-5-2 formation with Martinez in goal with the ever-impressive Josep Martinez. He is my favourite this season. He's good. Him and Di Greg. Di Greggy, baby. Vasquez, Bani and Voliaccio are at the back with new boy Spence out on the left. Where did Spence come from? Spurs. What up, Spence? What up? Frendrup was on the right with Strutman, Badeli and Malinowski in the middle. I always struggle to pronounce his name. Badeli, Badel, Milan, Badel. I call him Badel, but Badel. that's just playing it safe. Badeli, Badel. Correct us, please. I'm sure there's someone who knows. Um, Goodmanson and Riteg, we were up front. So the first half was marred by incidents of the pitch. This was not a very good ad for Serie this mm. <laughs> this weekend because of the the off-field issues. Um, there, was, there was tension between the fans and the police and there were objects thrown. And unfortunately, Retegui was hit by one of the objects. Yeah, but by a rock by from a what rock. it seemed. Yes, like a... He pulled it up and showed everyone. It was a fucking rock. Like... A rock, ta- you know, you're saying you throw a rock at someone. Probably because it's from the Amalfi Coast. And it was a lovely rock. One of those you take home, you know, keep it like near a candle or something oh, as a memory. Flinging at your tegui, man. Yeah. <laughs> keep it at home so you can throw it at a football player. <laughs> My but God, yeah, I, honestly, I'm going I'm, I'm to say it. Fucking cavemen. Cavemen, cavemen. And, dude, I've been to games uh-huh. in Italy. The security is shit, man. They they pretend to frisk you like Bro. they just like tap you twice on the hips until you go you know. Well, one, could... one took my lighter once you remember for the Sassuolo game. One took my one lighter. Fucking. I don't even know if I should say this say right it. now. Say it now. Squeezed my wiener, bro. Yes, yes. This old fucking perverted man. Fuck yes, man. 
Fuck yes. Get give you a nice chub before the game. Yeah, thanks, bro. See, I'm ready now. <laughs> Come on, me, man. He was like, "What's this? Like, what the fuck do you think that is? <laughs> you fucker! I'll move it around a bit, maybe make some noise." But yeah, um, both teams displayed great determination. Kandreva, of course, tested the goalkeeper from from range. Um, there was a moment where he failed to hit the target and he dropped on his knees desperately because he couldn't believe that his rocket from miles away didn't go in for the first time in his life. He's like, no! He's like, no, I can't believe it, I'm human. <laughs> Simi came close in the other end, but um, Martinez came out super bravely. Um, good defensive work by both by both sides yeah. uh, in the first half. However, yes, it was. Sorry, um, I forgot to mention that Martigani actually scored an early goal, assisted by Brotheridge. That was in yeah, the second yeah. minute, um, and then Retegui equalized in the thirteenth minute, thanks to a Badel assist. And it had been a while since we we saw Retegui score, and this was a very very convincing goal. Yeah, he was in Andal, but here he did excellently to score at the near post with a. Th- Thunderous strike. Absolutely, bro. So they went into halftime with the score of 1-1. However, in the second half, um, Salernitana continued their aggressive approach, but Genoa capitalized on a Lovato handball with Goodmanson converting the penalty. Um, Lovato, it was very naive of him. He went ahead the ball. He mistimed it and misjudged it completely. He had his arm extended. A bit of a rookie move, to be honest, and the ball just hit him on the arm. It was a blatant and obvious handball. Scusi, scusi, ma Matteo Lovato non è... Fenomeno. Non è fenomeno, il primo e il secondo. Lovato non è un giocatore di Serie A. Eh? Capace in Serie A. Capace, capace. (laughs) He shouldn't be in Serie A. He shouldn't Um, be in Serie A. Look... Lovato is one of those players who looked amazing at Hellas yes. Verona. He was one of the ones they were they were saying when when Duvan Zapata was on great form. Ah, Lovato is the only defender who managed to pocket Duvan Zapata this season. Everyone's saying that. Mm. Now he's showing his flaws. Um, I don't think he should be depended on at all. Um, perhaps his level might be Serie A, but not as a starter. <coughs> I think personally. I don't know, man. I think I've given him a lot of time. Um, to show growth, mm. I, I, he's I plateaued, man. He's, That's he's, it. he's plateaued. That's it. He looks like bro. He plays like a like a seventeen year old coming off the bench to mm. feature for Milan a mm. little bit. You know what I mean? Those are better than him, to be fair. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Salernitana um, hit the crossbar shortly after Kandreva from a free kick. He smashed the crossbar, yeah. and then later on to try to come back into the game, um, Inzaghi switched to a four-two-three-one, introducing Castanos. <clears throat> there were substitutions as well Thorsby and Zanoli came in um, To try to control the game But unfortunately for Salernitana They couldn't do it And Genoa got the ball over the line Taking home all three points um, Salernitana It's depressing bro It's super depressing Because they're reminding me of all the teams I've fallen in love with man They're reminding me of that season of Crotone With Benali, Simi 
and all those guys. They're, they're reminding me of Venezia, where they play a positive brand of football. They get close and they get close and they get close. But you know what the problem is? If you continue to get close, but you don't actually manage to get those points, you'll fall into oblivion and you yes. drop. You know? yes. And I worry because this Salernitana team is good for the league, man. Granted, they're out here throwing rocks at the players, <laughs> but um, the atmosphere is fantastic at the stadium. The, the camera angle when you watch it on TV in that stadium oh, so is, cool. is so cool, man. So cool. And, and they have a nice project going on with their sporting director. Maybe not a nice project. They have a good sporting director, not a nice project. You, you mentioned me. you mentioned those those teams. They remind me of that Empoli team. They remind yeah, me of Spal. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And most of all, bro, they they remind not most of all, but they also remind me of another team. Pepon Zaghi had gotten relegated. Benevento. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benevento with Gaich up front. Yeah, exactly. In the second part of the exactly. season. Exactly. And Spal had Petania. They were ten or eleven yeah. and just free fall and crazy. Um, well, I just want to point this out, please. When Inzaghi started at Salernitana, they were playing at three at the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Past two, three games, they've been playing with a four at the back. And Simi, as a striker, we say this all the time, he's the first line of defence. And that's the way that they're playing. And yeah. they, they play the counter. And they are that a unit. goal, that goal they scored today, today, <laughs> against Genoa, yes, was absolutely beautiful. What a yes. team goal that was. Yes. It all started with a Simi tackle and the transition was, mm-hmm. was incredible. Martagani goal. Uh-huh. The... Do you think they're going for a more defensive approach with the four at the back or a more offensive? I think they're going for a more compact system, tougher to penetrate, but good on the break, you know, Mm. offensive, um, they have offensive options. Their their three at the back had really impressed me against Milan because when it came to attacking and defending, it was always in significant numbers. Now, tell me, they're still doing that, absolutely. But they had a system, um, like in a 3-5 I, I believe it was a 3-4-1-2 that okay. they used to play. Um, or a 3-5-1-1, much like Udinese. But basically, a, a system in which um, the two players... or the Yes, it, it was a 3-4-2-1. The two players that played behind the striker used to join the center of midfield mm. when they were mm. defending. So they had a line. And then obviously the center midfielders would drop deeper in order to, to support the three at the back, at the back. Yeah. and the wing backs would drop back to create a five at the back so yeah. and then when they were attacking the wing backs would go back to wing back the two central midfielders would go back to being wingers and the two defensive midfielders would push forward and they would often when they attacked that have seven bodies forward you see in that game against milan they were devastating milan with their numbers yeah, yeah, yeah i feel like true. that is a real pro that i used to see with their three at the back formation man he still tries it inzaghi um has tried many different formations um he adapts during the game sometimes not very well he sets up better than he adapts and i've said this before yeah i like the way he approaches games the way he adapts to them not as much granted they have been unlucky yeah. Yeah. Like goals coming so late on in the 90th minute onwards, 85th minute onwards. This game, granted, it came a little bit earlier, um, in the 58th, much earlier. But but yeah, they, they couldn't get it over the line. And I'm a little bit worried about them. I don't think they'll go down still. I still don't think Salernitana will go down. I agree with you. Like, I, I, I wouldn't say it with my chest. I'm saying like, it with my chest. Say it with your chest. Because they're playing well, man. They're playing very well. And... and I feel like they've got the personnel to make a difference. Um, and all, with that organization now, that 
think about it. This is a new manager and a new system, and they're playing so much better than mm-hmm. they had already. Mm-hmm. They're only going to get better. Right now, they're dead lost with 12 points. 17th place is on 18 points. So it's still early days. They're still very much capable. They just need to get a few points now. This was a game. This was a must-not-lose game against yeah. Genoa, and they lost. So that's one challenge already already lost. When it mm. comes to Genoa, by the way, they're 11 to 25 points. Man, oh man, how I wish this was a Bulaedia season. But it's not. It's a shame. They really need him. They yeah. really need him to step up. It's a up significant course, shame. And, uh, he's currently away, of course. The the biggest shame in the world, that's, I would say. That's that's true. Um, <laughs> credit to Genoa, by the way. Albert Goodmanson continues to show that he's a, a fantastic player and a very good penalty taker as well. He hasn't mm. missed one. Retegui, nice to see him scoring again. He's had quite a difficult season when it comes to injuries. Spence had a very good game, considering he's, he's just come in. Um, other than that, solid stuff by by Genoa. Yeah, that was your last game, right? That was my last game. Okay. Um, what a bite-sized episode. What a fun you one. know what? Prepping for three games, and I watched pretty much all of them. Um, even yours, I watched a lot yeah, of them. Yeah. It, it it's it's nice. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, I prefer yeah. it when there's ten matches to to fucking choose from. But this was this was a bit different. Um, let's jump to Frozenone three Cagliari one. This was another very interesting game that took place. Frosinone were coming off a 5-0 loss to Atalanta, so you would think that that, that would have affected their confidence, right? Uh, Cagliari coming off a 2-1 win over Bologna, so you'd think that would make them confident, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the previous encounter was Cagliari 4, Frosinone 3 in the comeback of the ages and the match of the season thus far without any shadow of a doubt. Um, in this reverse fixture on the 29th of October 2023, Cagliari became the first side in Serie A history um, to win a match with a three-goal deficit after the 70th minute, bringing it back to 4-3. Frosinone were missing Baez, Monterisi, Oyono, Calai, and Marquitza and Bonifazi. Um, Zortea was thrown straight into the starting 11 for them after his move from Atalanta. Ranieri was without Zito Luvumbo, Mankozu, Shumoridov, Oristanio, and Rog. I love, like, just saying Rog. Um, a 4-3... Rog's two... been there for ages. So yeah, 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 he has. Um, him, bro, and, and Nandes. And Nandes. Yeah. And I remember, when I think of those two players, the first one that comes to mind is Marin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, there's a 4-3-2-1 formation for Frosinone with Turati in goal and the backline of Gelli, Ocoli, Romagnoli and Zortea. Uh, Brescianini, Berenche and Mazzitelli as the midfield three. Rainier and Sule playing behind Kedira. I can't help but look at this team and like it because they're so young and they're so, you know, they're so fresh onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at Rainier, um, Sule, Berencea, you know, the Ocoli... Turati, even though Turati has had his struggles, but I do have a significant soft spot for Frosinone. A 3-5-2 formation for Cagliari with Scuffè in goal, a backline of Vietesca, Dossena and Zappa. Nandes as the right wing-back, Atsi as the left wing-back and Sulemana, Prati and Mukumbu as the midfield three. Petania and Viola starting up front together. That's interesting. Viola, naturally, a a bit more of a free role. Now, in the 16th minute, Kedira forced a great stop from Scuffe, striking with power from a tight angle. Then, on the resulting corner, Kedira scored, but only after wandering offside, so the goal was chalked off immediately. 
In the 26th minute, Cagliari opened the scoring through Sulemana. It was an in-swinging cross by Atsi that ended up falling perfectly to Sulemana after a physical battle between Petania and Okoli. And Sulemana made no mistake by powerfully striking the ball into the bottom corner for the 20-year-old's first ever Serie A goal. Frosinone thought they equalized on the stroke of halftime, where they put incredible pressure on Cagliari's back line. Berencea had the ball in the back of the net, but VAR spotted a foul by Brescianini on Dossena amidst the chaos. Scuffet denied a brilliant solo attempt by Gelli in the 52nd, and in the 64th minute, Frosinone equalized through Mazzitelli. The captain was totally unmarked in the box, heading in an in-swinging Harui cross to equalize for the hosts. In the 75th minute, Sule uh, got the second goal for Frosinone, making it 2-1. A free kick from just outside the area at an angle. You barely see these go in when they're so close and the wall, you know, it's, it's so hard to get the ball up and down so quickly. But Sule managed to curl and dip his strike with power into the top corner, leaving Scuffet rooted to the spot. Brilliant technique. In the 93rd minute, Torati's save was described as stupendous by the commentator as the young Italian denied Pavoletti's low and powerful header with cat-like reflexes. In the 95th minute, Caio George made it a, made it a fact, uh, making it 3-1. On the counter-attack, Zortea squared the ball brilliantly to George. George. <laughs> George. <laughs> who finished into an empty net. Now, I don't want to sound too basic. Mm-hmm. But Cagliari slowed down and it seemed like they got tired to a degree. Mm-hmm. And Frosinone sped up. We know that Frosinone go for 90 minutes. Now you can tell mm-hmm. me, ah, but Frosinone in the previous game, they were winning 3-0 and Cagliari went for 90 minutes and they got a 4-3 lead. Yes, but this is another game. Yeah, it's the, it's the personnel that they brought on. Right now, Luvumbo's away at AFCON. Mm. So Cagliari didn't have that gear switch that they usually have. Yeah, good um, point. The triple substitution that Ranieri opted for in the 72nd minute were, included Di Pardo, mm-hmm. Goldaniga, and Pavoletti. Again, they're not, it's not an injection of flair and pace. You've got a target man, you've got a centre-back, and you've got Di Pardo. They're not, not the fastest players in the world, not the most... Flair players in the world, of course, with Pavoletti, great to have him there, mm-hmm. but you still need to give him the ball. And they did get close on certain occasions, but not quite close enough. I do think that they need a, a person like Zito Lovumbo to really give them that different dynamic. Because other than that, this team is quite flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have many technical or creative. They, they're all about, like, like Nandez is all about industry. And he, he's fast and he's... He can dribble, but but he's not the type to obviously burst into space and no. deliver a perfect cross. He's a hustler on the wing. He's going to win the ball back. He's going to cross. Half his crosses aren't even going to land. Luvumbo is the only freak they have yes, in their yes, team. Yes, 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 yes. He's true. the only non-human yeah. that they have in their team. They're almost, they remind me of, and this is why I like them, um, a working class team. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if they get a point from a game, there's blood, sweat, and tears that is left on the pitch, which makes me worry about their longevity in Serie A. Mm. Because as much as it's great when they win a game, and sometimes they look, they never look convincing, mm-hmm. but they look like they put the work in. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder just how far that will get them in Serie A. Um, it might be enough for them to survive. 
I think. Um, it's funny that last week we said that Frosinone will will go down. Oh, Frosinone are going down, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They'll go down, I think. Um, as we mentioned, right? They don't have the experience, but that's what Cagliari do have. They have the oldest manager in the league, in Claudio Ranieri. You know, the thinker man, and he'll definitely figure a way how to keep these guys alive. And with Lovumbo coming back, they can hold out until bringing him on in the 70th yeah. minute to terrorize the exhausted fullbacks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, imagine dealing with Nandez for seventy minutes, just pulling at your shirt and stomping on your Literally. feet, um, and just trying to run past you and like trying to pass the ball between your legs. You know, he's mm. Nandez, like the little hustler. Imagine substitution. You know, he's off and Lovumbo comes on. You're like, yeah. shit, <laughs> shit. I have to deal with this guy now. Yeah, absolute nightmare. Um, now, typically relegation six pointers in Serie A, they tend to be quite cagey affairs. You know, especially mm. this part of the, this time of the season it's the time of the season <laughs> teams they, they they would rather ensure that they get one point rather than risk getting three and get none but when these two teams go head to head Frozenone and Cagliari it's almost personal now because yeah, Frozenone Frozenone would feel embarrassed that they you know the that breakthrough stat of the the comeback from three goals down after 70 minutes um it's very flattering for Cagliari but it's fucking embarrassing for Frosinone yeah fucking embarrassing to concede four goals in 20 minutes after having a 3-0 lead it's devastating so so this is you know how like Napoli Milan last season was personal you know what I mean yeah this season Frosinone Cagliari is very very personal just because of what happened in the last game yeah, good point. <laughs> it was a fun watch, to be honest, and that last goal really meant a lot to them. Zortea breaking through, of course, breaking free on the counter um, and setting up Jorge. Yeah. Um, Zortea, um, I'm not sure, I'm sure you mentioned it in your rundown, um, is on loan from Atalanta. Atalanta, right? yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. And he's doing, he's doing great already. Um, yeah. He's he, a good player. He came in at a perfect time. Mm. Um for Frozenone, firstly, it's a smart coup, but yeah, him. that's a good F- sign. Firstly, some to to a degree, not experience, but a, a, a level up. Yeah, um, a higher standard. A higher standard, and secondly, Monterizzi and Oyono are out injured, so so it's it's yeah. great to to be able to to put him in over there. Why are you smirking? I'm wondering who actually plays for Frozenone. You know, I'm looking at this team. I'm like, all right, Reiner on loan from Real Madrid. You know, Sule on loan for Juventus. Brescianini, okay, recently signed from Milan. I'm sure they have a buyback. Berenchea. Um, on loan from Juve, Juve. Zorte on loan from Atalanta, Paoli on loan from Atalanta, George on loan from from Juve, Turati on loan from Sassuolo. Dude, these guys don't own any of their players. This is why, like, uh, like, like I have a soft spot for them because they're a group of youngsters. But <laughs> yeah. how fucking sustainable is this? Like Monza, they had a clause on everyone. Look, we have the finances to buy these players, which automatically gets triggered if we survive. Not only did they survive, but they came tenth. Yeah. Um it was tenth, I believe. Um but this Frozenone, they're not backed by mad finances. And it's just like like last season the team that got them to Serie A is a completely fucking different, different team. team. Like yeah. managed by a different person as well. Imagine they stay up. What's gonna happen? Like, because they're gonna lose all their players. Everyone's gonna predict them to go back down. That's exactly. And <laughs> we'll be here going, oh, my predictions for Sonona. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. but think about it. Like, I remember Verona 
they had so many loaned players in. I remember there there was Giovanni Simeone who was on loan from from Cagliari. There was Cancelleri that was on loan from Lazio. from Lazio, I believe. Or was he loaned out to Lazio from Verona? Yes, he, he was, was on loan, loan, loaned yeah, out yeah. to Lazio yeah, from Verona. Verona. Um, Caprari was on loan with them as well. But they still had a good backbone back then. Yeah. They did own a few solid players. Granted, of course, many of them would have a buyback or whatever. But um, it wasn't as ridiculous as this. Yeah. <laughs> this this Frosinone team is, is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't have too much to add about this game in particular. Um, um, Frosinone are... They're in 13th on, on 22 points. It's crazy, bro, because you go all the way up to... 11th place Genoa on 25 points and you think Christ they're only 8 points ahead of (laughs) they're only 8 points ahead of 18th place Verona on 17 it's it's still early man anything can happen literally brother I'm telling you Genoa Monza Frosinone Lecce Sassuolo Udinese Cagliari Verona Empoli Salernitana None of them are in the clear. Neither Torino on 28. You know Teams what I mean? have but... been relegated with 33 points. And lots you have 33 points right now. And they're in sixth. So that's how early it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, know? man. I. This is one of my... As much as I always love the end of a season, um, this is probably my favorite time because I can, all, I can also... I'm enjoying the now and I can look forward and say so mm. much good shit yeah, is to come. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's bittersweet, right? The end of a season. Because yeah. you want to know what's going to happen in every game. There's so much on the line. Um, but then you know that after that, like last five match days, you know you're going to have a summer yeah. of rumors. You know, you never know which Should players are going to be. an episode? Yes. What's the segment exactly. going to be? Yeah. And we have as well, bro. We're emotionally attached to so many players now because of this podcast. And we've always been. We watched the yeah, league yeah, quite, yeah. quite um, intrinsically. Um, and it's always the summer rumors always come in, you know, like this time we had winter winter rumors and winter coops as well. Like Dragosin was taken from the league, for example. Mm-hmm. God knows who's going to be taken in the summer. Zito Lovumbo, wolves have come in. Fium, he's gone. <laughs> you know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Odeneza, Watford playing there. No, you take him. No, yeah, you take exactly. him. No, you take him. <laughs> but yeah, that I, I mean, that's it. I, I don't believe I said where Cagliari are. Cagliari in 17th on 18 points, just one. From from survival, but funny thing is, like I was saying about how there's so much to come, which makes the league all that more exciting in the now. When Milan won the league, when Milan won that last game against Sassuolo, mm-hmm. sure I had a smile on my face for two months, but a massive void was inside me because it's always, you know, they always say like it's about the journey kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that I wasn't watching Milan strive to win the league anymore kind of upset me. Yeah. It was over. Yeah. We, like, it, it, it was There's done. There's a sense of now what? Ah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the Olympic gold medal effect, yeah. like, But you then know? you need to remind yourself that that moment is etched in his history. Forever, exactly. forever, forever, exactly. forever. That's, if you ever feel like a football game isn't as significant, if you're ever watching the Super Coppa Italiana and you think to yourself, ah, because it's in Riyadh and there are 23,000 fans and no one cares, you know, that will lift that trophy. No, man, people do yeah. care. That yeah. trophy's in your trophy room and if you're ever watching a documentary in the 
future about Inzaghi's Inter, that's going to be mentioned, you know? Tell of Dani course. Alves, who has one of the deepest fucking collection of medals and trophies, that a single one of those trophies didn't matter. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. one of the most, I, I do believe he's the most decorated footballer of all time. Like, yeah, probably. Go tell yeah, him one of, those, yeah. one of those cups doesn't matter. Absolutely. I think that's that. That's that. That's that. We'll have more to bring you in the next episode, and I can't wait for the latter stages of March, so we will no longer have games in hand and we'll have full transparency um, on what's going on. But thank you so much if you've made it this far, guys. Um, Love you all and we'll see you next week. Grazie, Hafna. This is Serie Spotlight. If you like Serie A or have ever liked it in the past, it's a good opportunity for you to listen once a week and you'll get filled in. In the football weekend, that's like the main dish. But then a few days later, you drop your episode and that's like the dessert. And the dessert is just perfect. It's good, the cake. It makes it feel like we're all sitting in a room together, just BSing with each other. The atmosphere is fantastic. I promise nobody will ask you to send boob pics. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I love how you go into so much detail and show so much passion towards each and every team. Literally, no team is left undiscussed. When I listen to you, it's like I'm talking to you in a pub. It's like I'm chatting to a friend and you're chatting to me.